All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the second episode, season three of Goody Nation's Good Stories, Why Relationships Matter podcast. I am Joey Womack, founder, CEO of Goody Nation. You are in for an absolute treat today as we're talking about why relationships matter for women in tech, particularly those that are leaving large companies and then going to start their own organizations. And so a little bit of a background about why at Goody Nation we're focused on closing the relationship gap for tech-focused social entrepreneurs and diverse founders. It's because research shows that the, the connection that entrepreneurs have to those from top colleges as well as those from top companies increase the likelihood of success. And we found that diverse founders as well as social entrepreneurs typically are much less connected to those individuals, which we call influencers, than their counterparts. So at Goody Nation, we've designed a program that's about accountability, that's about community, it's about relationships to coaches, to capital, and to customers. So awesome set of guests slated for today. Going to talk about some origin stories of how they came to be in tech and entrepreneurship and whether it's nonprofit or for-profit, and also how they transitioned from working for someone else to working for themselves. But I do have a co-host today, an awesome person as well from our team at Goody Nation. Her name is Amma. I'm going to kick to her for a quick intro, and then we'll do a roundup introduction. So Amma. What's up, y'all? Welcome to our second episode. I am Amma. I'm going to be the co-host for today. I'm also the Investor Relations Manager at Goody Nation. Thank you, Joey, for having me on and going to kick it back to you. Awesome. Cool, cool. So listen, um, have some extremely talented people that I'm super excited for you all to, to get to know. So going to kick it over to Tracy, then we'll go to Christina and then Melissa for some quick intros. Good morning, everybody. I am Tracy Palmer. I am the co-founder of Smoot Ave, which is an online fashion platform whose vision is to help women find confidence through clothing, as well as the founder and CEO of West Virginia Black Excellence, which is a nonprofit dedicated to exposing future leaders to successful West Virginians. I also spent some time, put on my other hat, and I am a portfolio manager for Goody Nation, where I lead the tech workforce monthly and weekly huddle. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Christina? Hey, everybody. My name is Christina Newton. I am the founder and executive director of Hype. Uh, Hype empowers girls of color to thrive as future leaders in technology. So we offer a variety of after-school programs, coding camps, scholarships, um, leadership academies, any type of like assistance and support that young women of color might need to successfully enter into the tech space and to thrive as futures of our future careers. To thrive as leaders, sorry, of our, of our future careers. Awesome, awesome. Melissa? Hi, everyone. I'm Melissa Brogdon, a co-founder and COO of Fourth Party, which is a practice management solution for mediators. And that's just a big word for the sort of peacekeepers that keep our civil justice system moving. Um, so we provide them with business tools to get more done and get their time back. All right, ladies, thank you so much for that introduction. If y'all couldn't tell, y'all in for a treat. So we want to get right into it. We want to talk about origin stories and Christina, I'm going to go to you first. Yeah, so um, I mentioned that today I help 
young you know girls of color enter into the tech space my origin story is that of a black woman who worked in tech so my background is in computer engineering um, i went to an hbcu prairie view AM university uh, got my computer engineering degree but prior to that um, even in making the decision to major in computer engineering, it was something that I didn't know anything about. And so I, I didn't take any computer science or engineering courses when I was in middle or high school, did not have any, um, wasn't a part of any robotics club or anything like that. I really enjoyed solving problems. I really enjoyed fixing things and figuring things out. Um, and so my dad, suggested that I consider computer engineering as a major because the other option was going to be dance. And <laughs> that was a no-no <laughs> from my parents. So it was dance or engineering. Uh, so I went the engineering route, um, did a couple of interns, uh, internships in college, one with the traditional engineering firm called Lockheed Martin, another one with a consulting company called Accenture, and really enjoy what Accenture did and really kind of enjoy seeing that consulting space. And so after graduating with my degree, decided to go into technology consulting. Wow, wow. Um, I'm so glad that you were able to figure out what you <laughs> between dance. <laughs> Listen, um, I, I wanted to be Tina Turner, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I still want to be Tina Turner. So let's just put that out there. I still want to ask you. Literally. <laughs> well, again, I'm Tracy Palmer. I'm a small town girl from a little place in rural West Virginia called Dunbar. Um, but I always had a passion for fashion. When I was a little girl, the question, you know, like when you're a kid, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And people say firemen and all these things. I always just say I wanted to be a businesswoman and I wanted to be a fashion designer. Did I know what either one of those were? Not so much because I, I grew up in an impoverished area that, you know, that had a lack of resources. But, you know, I, I went to an HBCU upon, you know, graduating from college and I was exposed to a lot of things that I was not exposed to. Um, I ended up being pregnant my first semester in college and that was an inflection point for me. And I realized at that point, like I had to leave where I was, of course, graduating from college. I had to leave where I was and make a better life for my son. Um, so upon graduating from college, uh, numerous, uh, you know, things happen, crisis. I moved with uh, seven of my first cousins to Atlanta in pursuit of the calling that I always felt internally for something more. I remember having a conversation with one of the students because um, I, I, I graduated, I worked at the college, but then I, gradu um, I graduated from the college and then I worked at the college um, for a year. And I remember being in my office and a student came in and said, are you going to stay here? You're bigger than here. And I, I just that just like reverberated from me. And I at the time I was like, oh, I'm fine living in West Virginia. My whole family lives here. But that calling. And so I moved to Atlanta in pursuit of more for my son and for myself. And hence, um, I kind of stumbled. I don't believe in coincidence, but I stumbled on the higher education path and I excelled in it. I did. I was the businesswoman of higher education. So did a stint for profit, nonprofit and find myself excelling. In, in the business. And so hence um, 20 years in um, education. Um, and then I, I decided to make the leap and I'm gonna I'm I'm leave it there. Okay, well, come on, whoever that person was that spoke into you, we 
here for it, okay? That's Whoever that. he Absolutely. is, shout out. <laughs> Next, we want to kick it to Melissa. Yeah, so I am a native of Oakland, California. I was raised by my great-grandmother, who was the first entrepreneur I ever knew. Um, but she was very, very clear that I needed to go to college um, and figure out a plan. And so um, I was lucky enough to receive a full scholarship to go to Spelman College and um, have that um, opportunity that a lot of the people that I grew up with maybe did not have that same access to. Um, and I thought that I was going to be a doctor until Bio 101 happened. And I was like, can I transfer? <laughs> so um, so I became, eventually became an English major. I was always a great writer um, and have definitely seen that uh, benefit my career and um, also took on a, a, a minor in education. And so went to um, grad school, was fully thinking that I would have this career in education research. Um, and it just felt really disconnected to the work that I was wanting to do and the vision that I had. Um, decided to take up teaching, failed at that, um, and but recovered in um, development and nonprofit operations. Um, I had a leader similar who saw something in me and, and pointed me in that direction. And so that launched me into a decades long, a decade long um, career in nonprofit fundraising. And so um, that was something that allowed me to come back to Atlanta um, and really dig into that work, working in, um, on the, in the education settings, but also um, in small nonprofits. Oh, wow, extensive. Um, okay, so we all know that you guys decided to start something on your own. And so we want to get into that. We want to talk about the things that you guys have started by yourselves. So, Christina, I'm going to go back to you. Um, yeah, so I talked about starting a nonprofit organization called Hype. I founded Hype in 2017. Um, Prior to that, again, I worked as a technology consultant, um, started working for Accenture, worked for Accenture for almost five years, got tired of the traveling, decided to join a, a local, um, it was a more boutique consulting firm at the time, they're much larger and international now, um, called Slalom Consulting, so I worked with them for another two, almost three years. Um, but, you know, even at a little bit part of my origin story, again, I always enjoy solving problems and fixing things. And I've always been like an advocate for the underdog. I would, even in school, I would find myself inserting myself into fights that weren't even mine, <laughs> um, metaphorically and sometimes physically <laughs> as well. Um, and I remember um, on my job at Accenture, um, my first year there, sending like, I'm just felt, feeling like analysts we're getting like the, the the low end of the stick, just weren't being treated correctly, were being misunderstood, misrepresented. I remember sending an email to my manager, you know, speaking on behalf, took it upon myself to speak on behalf of all the analysts of this project to be like, listen, you know, like this, it, this is what's going on. You know, this this is might be the reason why someone didn't understand what happened here. We were doing this. We thought this. Somebody told us that. So I was trying to really get them to understand because, I mean, you're a first year on a job somewhere and you don't always want to speak up because you don't always kind of want to be in that. Um, position or be seen that way. And honestly, now as a black woman, probably definitely didn't want to be seen that way because um, there were no other black women on my team. 
but did it anyway because that's just who I was. And, you know, we had career counselors at the time. And I remember this kind of being brought to my career counselor and having a conversation with him and me trying to get him to understand, like, why I felt it was necessary to do whatever. Um, And he said, Christina, I think you're too idealistic. And that statement has stuck with me for a very long time. Like it still sticks with me today that, you know, because I'm someone who desire to see things done correctly or the right way or the way that they should be. I don't like things being out of place or just not making sense um, that it can be seen as being too idealistic and it can be seen negatively in the corporate environment. So that was kind of like the beginning of me kind of thinking that I was out of place take take away the fact that I was a black woman that worked in tech. I just did not feel that I was in the right place and tried to find out so many reasons why, like maybe it's the wrong client. Maybe I need to stop traveling. Maybe I just don't have any friends. Maybe I don't get, I don't understand, you know, all of these, you know, I mean, for lack of a better word, I don't understand all these white boys who came, you know, from colleges where they threw keg parties. I'm like, I just don't get it. It's not cool. It's not fun to me. I don't know. Um, So I thought I just needed to find a different place and that's what led me to quit my job. So whenever I quit my consulting altogether, it was because I said to myself, Christina, this is just not for you. You can't be who you are fully. You don't enjoy it even. You don't get along or you don't you're you don't associate well, right, with the people who you work with. And I wasn't passionate about the work that I was doing. I got paid extremely well, but the money stopped being um enough for me uh after about eight years and I just decided to leave not wanting to become an entrepreneur because I also enjoyed comfort and I enjoyed having a plan uh, for things, but I just left because it was time for me to leave. Um, And I don't know if we'll come back to me, but just to kind of share like why I decided to leave um, corporate America, it was just because I didn't feel like it was a place for me. And I spent a year traveling, trying to figure out what, what, what did I need? I did some soul searching, spent a year traveling internationally, volunteering with organizations, trying to understand who I was, what I love to do, um, where I belonged, thought I was going to move overseas forever and just like live somewhere else, you know, I don't know, um, start like a tiki hut somewhere on the beach somewhere and just live, live overseas forever. That ended up not working out, but, um, that was just kind of what, let me out of the corporate environment and into me figuring out like where is Christina going to land? Where can I make the most impact and also love the work that I do? Mm. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> it's it's a it's amazing because like you really had to make a decision and say that hey, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to thrive in a career even though I'm making all this money. Like you literally had to walk away from the money, you know? Wow. Um, Okay, Tracy, we're going to go to you. Well, similar. So again, I moved to Atlanta in search for whatever that calling was, whatever that student saw me, I was searching for it. And I worked in, like Christina said, you do the safe thing. You know, I think that is also, sometimes I feel like, I feel like that's a generational curse. I don't know that you do the safe thing instead of the thing that you're, that's calling you. And, you know, and sometimes your support system wants you to do the safe thing. And so you succumb to whatever your support system would, wants you to do. And so I just, just remember doing the safe thing. I um, worked at a fashion college when I first um, came to Atlanta. I was like, this is it. I get to work at a fashion college and I get to do the business since there goes the businesswoman and the fashion designer. 
And I find myself doing more of the political dance, you know, code switching, microaggressions, you know, playing small. Uh, and, and, and that persisted. But I had a child and my mom was like, you know, you need to play it safe. You need a 401k. You need all these things. And I just kept that route. And I was really good at it. So I, I, I um, about midway through my career, I came to an organization that I love. It was their mission. They, they lived the mission. I got to work with young people. I got to, you know, um, connect them to their dreams. And I thought I would retire from there. I really did. Um, I was promoted six times in six years. You know, I went from an entry level job to I was second in line. You know, I was training executive directors, probably four or five. I was over 45 staff, uh, three locations. And then I just had like this, this itch. Um, but it was an uncomfortable itch and I couldn't silence the voice. And so I tried, okay, let me do a side hustle. Let me do my business as a side hustle. Let me shut it up. You know, so I did the side hustle, but you can imagine when you're, you know, have that many staff, a side hustle just goes smaller and smaller and smaller. And so eventually it went away, but I had a, um, a director on my team that used to sit directly behind me. And she kept saying to me, you need to do this fashion thing. I know we, we do the banker wardrobe here. But your fashion is just different than everybody else. And I'm just like, okay, silence it, silence it, silence it. I believe in this theory that um, I'm a very spiritual person. I believe God gives you a pebble. Then he gives you a rock. Then he gives you a boulder. Then he gives you a brick wall. And so my brick wall, because I was so good at what I did and I, and I, and I made really good money doing it, was I got ill. I got ill. I went to the doctor on one week and the next week they was like, you have to have surgery. Mm. So I had surgery. And it put me on my butt and I couldn't do anything but be still. Cause you know, the, the, the curse sometimes is you have to always be busy, but sometimes I believe God has to get the creativity to you when you're still and when you're quiet. And so he said, I'm gonna get it to you. You can try to quiet it if you want, but I'm gonna get it to you. And so I was out for 12 weeks and I decided it was the hardest decision. In addition to finding out right before I went out on leave, um, my boss brought me in and was apologizing. Like, listen, I'm so sorry we're going to have to give you a pay raise because we looked at all the people in your position across all of the locations. You're, we're the highest performing location, but you make the least. Mm. And we, and we have increase. Come on. Okay. And so I had a, that was like, okay, I'm doing all of this. I'm doing the projects. Nobody else wants to do. I'm being successful with little resources, little time. You know, you're doing all those things. I'm playing politics. I'm saying, you know, wearing my hair straight. So it can be more, you know, you know, palatable to folks. And here it is. I'm making less and I'm doing the most and I have the most successful site. And then I had to go out of medical leave. So I went out of medical leave and I heard God say, you're not to go back. And I was like, but God, I make good money. But God, you know, so I just questioned God and he made it so uncomfortable for me that I remember typing out my letter and then really didn't even want to type my letter out. And I, and I, and I resigned and, and, uh, Three weeks later, COVID hit. Mm. And so yeah, three weeks later, COVID hit. And so I, I got my business running. I got my business running with my co-founder, but I still didn't trust. I, I still didn't trust that this is what I was supposed to be doing because it wasn't safe. And I accepted another position, another leadership position. And I did it and I hated every freaking moment of it. I hated every freaking moment. I was good at it, but I hated every freaking moment of it. And I felt like it was time to, to launch and I launched and, um, and it was funny because I was playing small with the business. I was, we were doing some, you know, we were doing some zoom sales when I could have been doing it on a bigger platform, but I was scared. 
And I remember telling my co-founder, we're going to pull the trigger this month. We're going to pull the trigger and go to the bigger the bigger sites. And we pulled the trigger and I have not looked back since. It has been the most profitable thing that I could ever have imagined. And then it just taken off from there. And the West Virginia Black Excellence came um, side by side as a result of there. And I haven't looked back. And I'm, I'm making more than I was making in that executive leadership job. Um, is it hard? Absolutely freaking yes. But it is it is it's sustaining, it's comforting, and no longer do I have that voice, that brick wall in front of me. Wow. Yeah, that's that's wow. amazing, Tracy. It, yeah, <laughs> that's a powerful story. And I feel like we're seeing a trend with you. Um, it seems like people around you have spoken into you, and then that gives you the nudge. And you know, at Giddy Nation, we're about relationships. Can you kind of speak a little bit more about how important relationships people around you are to your success? Absolutely. My first mentor, and I think it's important to have mentors, and, and, and mentors or sponsorship, however you want to say it. But I think you have to be discerning about that mentorship and your sponsorship. Because sometimes people will be your sponsor or your mentor only to gain intellectual properties from you, you know, your intellectual, you know, identity. So you have to be careful. But I, I had the beautiful part at, at the HBCU. My first mentor told me like, Tracy, like, don't move to Atlanta until you have a job. You're more attracted, to, uh, you're more attracting to a job when you have a job. And so I stayed a little bit longer. But those, those mentorships and those relationships, those folks along the way who spoken to me, even when I didn't have the confidence to speak into myself, if not for those, I remember and I'm a, this one last story. I was on a train leaving a job. Um, and at the time, I didn't have a car. I had just moved to Atlanta. I was taking me like two hours to get home. Um, it took me like two hours to get home when I only lived like 30 minutes away. But anyways, and this old lady got onto the train. It's so weird. She got onto the train and she said to me, young lady, I don't know what you're going through, but God has something amazing for you. And it's like she got off the train and that was like the end of it. <laughs> and, and so you never know. You know, I'm, I'm old school. You know, my grandmother says you entertain angels unaware, baby. You know, and, and I think about that, although that wasn't a relationship, it was definitely a calling that matched everything else that everyone else was speaking into me. Thank you for that. Um, Melissa, going to go to you. Yeah. So um, I said that, you know, I was working in nonprofit. I actually really loved the work that I was doing. Um, I, you know, when I moved to Atlanta in 2013, um, started that grind, it's a different, it's a different kind of grind. The pay is not good. <laughs> so it is, it is hard to work all day. Um, and being in fundraising and development, I also um, spent a lot of time volunteering as well. Um, and so built a lot of relationships in that way. And some of my, my closest friends are still in the nonprofit space. Um, fourth party was really a family calling. So my co-founder is my husband, um, Gino, and he is an attorney and we have been working together um, over the last decade um, with his law firm. So like I said, my grandmother entrepreneur always got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and so we had this, this vision to do something together and um, but before I wasn't ready. Right. So, um, so, you know, I, had this like vision of being an entrepreneur. And so I launched a consulting company in, in the nonprofit space and things were just picking up. And, and honestly, the pandemic actually, you know, accelerated things because nonprofits needed so much support. Um, and so I, ha I had some really great partners that I was working with and was taking a leadership role with that work. Um, but it was really um, for me, 
the encouragement of those people who I was who I was collaborating with and working with who said, you know, but there's something else here. And you guys, you know, you guys have put two years in quietly behind the scenes and and maybe it's time to pick up speed. I had something similar with Tracy. Um, to Tracy's point, I, I had an illness and it, it sat me down for six weeks and um it was the first time that I didn't have multiple jobs that I was focused on. And I, my brain was clearer than it had ever been. And it found it became really hard to go back to that kind of cluttered mind um, for me. And so I, you know, I went back to, to work and I was in it for a couple of months. And, you know, I just done um, Google for Startups, um, the Founders Academy, and coming off of all of that excitement and that momentum. I couldn't I, I couldn't let the thing rest and I couldn't um, and I and I had gotten the evidence that, you know, stretching yourself in all these directions, something's not going to you know go well as a result of that. Something has to drop. Um, and so I, I call myself a recover, recovering workaholic. I, I picked a really good time to start recovering from being a working workaholic, um, founding a tech company. But um, um, I decided that I wanted to be different in this work and that I wanted to show up differently. Um, I wanted people to stop calling me busy. That meant that I was coming off frantic, that I was not, you know, sort of grounded. And so it's really been wonderful for me to kind of stretch my wings in this direction, still lean on, um, you know, the relationships that I had in the nonprofit space. I will say that the women that I have volunteered with in the past have been the the wonderful champions for me now in this new space. And so, um, you know, it is, I think it's a little bit on the reverse side of, you know, thinking about nonprofit as a second career. I, I started there and I, I really credit nonprofit work with giving me that grit and, uh, you know, resilience to, you know, never take no. Um, and so I see that, see that here, but it has been challenging to sort of define my identity with so much sort of disconnect between my previous world and, you know, this new role. And so learning to own that story better, talk about my competencies instead of the, the titles has really helped me to feel more confident um, in this new role as founder. That, that that's super. Actually, what Melissa, I was gonna say like, uh, it, it, so when people say you're busy, so the, the, they're really saying you're you're frantic and stuff. Is that what it what it really means? Because <laughs> I hear that a lot. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, I I, I think people mean well. I, I think that people are always always being encouraging, like, wow, you have so much going on. Right. Um, and maybe it was my you know negative self talk that I was internalizing it that way. But I I real I the reality was I knew I was all over the place, and so gotcha. um, that's how I heard it. Um, and so, yeah, I want people to say, you know, you're sharp, you're smart, you're mm. prepared. Um, and, and so I'm just mm. kind of shifting in how I create value around, like, you know, how I move. Nah, I love it. I love it. I, love it. I mean, these, these are this is awesome. I'm sitting back and just, just just listening, looking for themes and stuff like that. So I'm hearing things like, you know, I being too idealistic soul searching the calling for across several of you all defining identity you know actually so christina i actually want to want to come to you for a follow-up so you talked about being too idealistic something that i personally thought about myself for years right but i immediately go to the name of your organization is that does that have a correlation with you being too idealistic yeah absolutely um and now i don't even think being 
too idealistic. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's an amazing thing. You know, right. it's driven right. me to exactly where I am today. But it, it, it has been being a person, again, who's been idealistic for most of my life. Um, that has driven me to be hopeful for so many things, even when it didn't look like, you know, that something was available to me. You know, even I'm the first person in my family, like my immediate family to have received, a, gotten a passport and travel internationally. And I have, you know, older siblings, you know, things like that, where I, being too idealistic is what allowed me to dream. And it's what allowed me to feel like there's nothing out of reach. And so HYPE is an acronym. It stands for Hope for Youth through through providing education, because I do feel like education is, is a, a vehicle to being able to achieve all of the things that you can dream about, but you don't see realized in, in your natural world right now. Um, and HOPE is a driver to keep pushing you beyond challenges and obstacles. And that HOPE that I experienced Whenever, you know, when I traveled overseas for a year and got a chance to really see the world, got a chance to explore different cultures, my dreams became larger as well because I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's just this amazing world that I've never even, you know, really explored or tapped into or known um, in, my, in my reality. But now my dreams are becoming larger and it's a lot of reality to become larger as well. And it's the same thing that I desire for the girls that we support, you know, like I find myself being to being idealistic and yeah. providing some of the same things that little Christina's, you know, didn't have. Again, like I never studied technology or computer science or anything like that. The schools that I went to didn't offer it, didn't know anything about it. But today it's so important. And there are so many other young you know, black girls and young people in rural and low income communities who don't have access to that. And they might not have a dad who's going to say, no, you can't major in dance. You need to do, you know, computer engineering. They might not have that community. And so hype is that community for them. We give them hope. We help them to see how their passions and interests and skills connect to these um, these careers that are that are sustainable that will provide economic mobility. We help them. The girls see how they are leaders, um, even when the, when the world is not telling them that they are. And we're giving them hope for something greater than again, like what they uh, see in their real world or what they see on TV or what other messages might be telling them. And, and, and so this this is really for for any anyone. Is this something that a lot of women hear? Uh, either younger or or older, like, and also let me press it by saying this: like, I believe too that that being idealistic is a good thing. I mean, I think it can lead to like that's a part of what leads to innovation, and in, uh, amongst a lot of other things, right? So, is this something that a lot of women hear? Like, you're too de idealistic, and so on and so forth. I mean, and, and again, I'm, I'm asking on behalf of all men here. I want to be absolutely clear, but also <laughs> of, of of other folks as well. I'll jump in. I mean, I, I just I just think back. It's back to that safe thing. People want you to be safe. And so part of being safe is to mm. put it in a box. And so hope is something that is outside the box. And so people want you to, to be to color inside the lines. And I remember just like being in executive leadership and the thing that will always come up that book. Hope is not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. Just remember hearing that all the time. Hope is not a strategy, mm. but it is a strategy in entrepreneurship because you need hope in order to. To, to work, you know, every seven days a week, you know, when you're, you can't be at family things, you need hope to give you the fuel 
to keep doing it. So I disagree with hope not being a strategy because it absolutely is a strategy for women and particularly for entrepreneurs. Wow. Yeah, I say, Joey, from my perspective, um, it's more socioeconomic. So, you know, for me, coming from my background, getting a solid job was me saying thank you for all of the sacrifices and efforts that people had made. And so um, this idea of sort of charting your own course and, you know, dreaming in a way that, you know, didn't have a clear path felt very impractical to me. Um, and that was definitely rooted in like my upbringing um, and, and that feeling, that tug of, you know, needing to realize a certain level of achievement in a very structured way so that I could sort of show that I had, I was thankful for, you know, all that, all that had been poured into me. So that, that's for me, that's, that's how it played out. And I'll also just add one, one more thing is that I think when, if someone says that it's actually a projection, it's actually mm. you telling me, you don't think you can do this or you telling me you don't think this is possible. And maybe you mean maybe you mean it as an insult or maybe you mean it as a way because you want me, you want to see me su succeed and you want to see me do well and you don't want to see me homeless on the you know side of the street. So you're saying like, hey, don't be too idealistic, but it's more of a projection of someone else's beliefs about what is possible. And I do think as an entrepreneur, that's one of the things that you have to take on is your own, you have to own your own belief about what is possible. You can't take it from someone else. You can't borrow it from someone else. It has to be within you. And I think those are some of the things that make successful entrepreneurs is they continue because they are owning something internally that other people might not get and other people will try to take away. Wow. Believing in yourself is like a 24 7, 365 job. <laughs> like, period. I really wanted to ask y'all though do y'all feel that y'all had representation of quote unquote idealistic women growing up? And, and if you did, did you feel like maybe you would have tried, try, like, tried more things, you know, took more risk growing up? I definitely don't think I did. Um... I, I had the safe. I mean, my mom is one of 13, you know, and I told, I was telling Joey, like, I'm like one of 30 plus first, you know, cousins. I lost count. Um, but it was definitely in an age where, you know, you did the, you, you did the thing. You graduated from high school, you went to college. If you didn't go to college, you got to trade, you know, and, and then you stay there for 50 years until you got to go watch in a, a parking spot. You know, and so anything outside of that was was like sacrilegious. You know, my grandmother took care of cleaned houses and took care of folks. You know, my mom, you know, she went to college. So it was very like you have to do it this way because this is going to yield you a go watching a parking space and a safe environment for your family. But but and not to their detriment because they had to lay the groundwork for me to be able to take the leap. Um, but I think instead of it, me wanting to play safe. I think it pushed me more to not wanting, wanting to play safe. And I think it was important for me not to play safe because now my children can see me doing, you know, you can do it the safe way. Your mom did it the safe way for a little bit, or you can do this. You can do it this, this, uh, this way that leaps. So I didn't see it so much in my family. I heard the old wives tales of somebody that did it, but I never actually saw, which actually was the impetus for why I started West Virginia Black Excellence. Because in West Virginia, the area I'm from, crime is high. In little rural places, although they're little and rural, 
they don't have access to opportunities. And when there's no access to opportunities, crime is usually the thing that you fall into. And I got tired of, you know, hearing, seeing my Facebook post of somebody that passed away, somebody that got shot, somebody that got killed. My son's father was murdered while sitting in a car, you know? And so I got tired of hearing that commentary. I was trying to escape West Virginia. You know, I got this little kid on my hip. I'm trying to get as far away from this place as possible. But one Saturday I was sitting, scrolling through Facebook and I saw all these people that I graduated from. There was like CEOs and doctors and surgeons. And I was like, hold on. I, people, the next generation has to see that. And I can't sit back trying to escape this place and not give back what gave to me. And so that was actually the impetus for why West Virginia Black Excellence was even sparked. Mm -hmm. Anybody want Anybody else want to say something about this? Okay. Yeah, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's powerful, powerful. Actually, yeah. I mean, there there is another thing that emerged, I think, from, from all three stories around it really being still and hearing this calling, right? I mean, I know for me personally, uh, I've heard a calling is actually coming up on 20 years since I first heard this this voice in my left ear, this two words to to do it and, and start my first company. Um, but, but, but I'd love for you all to kind of expound on the feeling that you had, you know, I mean, and Tracy, you went into it around the, the pebble to the brick wall and so on and so forth. But what is that? What is that? What is the, what are some of the emotions behind it? I know I'm sure it's mixed, right? A little bit of your part scared, your part excited, you know, what is that? What does it look like when a, your mind is still and you hear this calling and then you just take that leap Any, I mean, feel free anyone to kind of jump in, but what is it? What does it feel like? So I'm a big believer that the, my founder journey cannot be without faith um, and that that's a new discovery for me. So I went to church as a kid, you know, I did all the things, um, but having a real relationship, a spiritual relationship, um, I mean, you really have to have some audacity to, to go upon the ventures that, we're, that we are undertaking and, and um, believing that some, something is out there wanting you to do well and wanting to um, support your success, um, it has been critical for me. Um, I think that, you know, I I have doubt almost every day. <laughs> um, and you just, the, the belief that um, this is for someone else. I have a really good friend who told me, you know, it may not be that the work that you're doing is, you know, going to transform a community. So, you know, our, our work is not necessarily focused on social impact right but that the work that i'm doing may inspire someone may may heal someone may make someone believe that you know they can make a shift or they can they can do something else and so for me it's really been about um in terms of like emotions having a a, a faith journey and a faith and a faith sort of protocol as a part of like how I focus my mind and how I stay sort of grounded. Um, because if I believe that this is really going to be safe someone, then I can't play around with it. And it really isn't about whether I'm happy with my work every day or, or whether, you know, it feels good. Um, that's sort of a, a emotional that's, you know, on the, that daily basis that you're not going to get that satisfaction. Um, and so sort of owning that and accepting that calling um, and that that charge has been really um, crucial for me to just stay inspired um, because it's not fun. I mean, we left, you know, we left this other stuff, but this is not roses every day. <laughs> um, and so 
believing that, you know, it's going to touch someone else and that and that whatever this sacrifice is for and whatever is is the reason that these doors are opening, you know, this idea that nothing is going to come to me that I'm not ready for, um, that God's not going to give me anything that isn't, you know, isn't something that I was made for. Um, believing in that truly helps me to stay really focused and, you know, keep the, my eyes on the prize kind of thing. And I'll just add, I 100% agree with you, Melissa. Faith is so important. It's been such an important part of my journey um, and my story. Sometimes people hear faith and I'll, my relationship with God has just been such a huge part of my journey and story. People hear things that have happened and are just like, I literally cannot believe it. Um, but like, I, again, I remember when, before I started Hype, so there were, there were about, um four years that went by after I quit my job and before I started hype. Um and during that time again traveling, doing some soul searching, I began working for a different nonprofit organization in Gainesville, Georgia, which is not where I wanted to be at all. <laughs> but it, it was where I needed to be at that time. Um and I remember days calling my family emailing them because I was working for this other nonprofit organization and I had to raise my salary, even, you know, part of my salary with them. So I remember like calling my family, emailing them, just talking to them about how, um, just being very sad, being very down, talking about like how I can't believe I used to make so much money. Now I'm asking people to, to give me money, you know, so that I can make my salary, which is crazy. No one understood it, but it also, uh, the skills that I, um, gain in that is what also helped me to be prepared to run a nonprofit later and do a bunch of fundraising later. But I also never lost hope. We come back to this word of hope. I never lost hope of what it was that my heart really wanted to do, you know, like of my dream. I always I would talk to people about like um, what I what happened to me whenever I traveled and how I wanted to give other little black girls that experience. And I would talk about like how amazing it would be if more people like me had access to technology skills because like it's so important. I wasn't doing that work at all, um, but I would talk about this dream. And before I started my nonprofit organization, someone who I'd come in relationships, right? Relationships matter. Someone during that four year period who I, you know, developed a relationship with who I would talk about this like dream, like if I could do whatever, this is, you know, the type of thing that I would do. I didn't know that his parents had money, like money, money. <laughs> and, wow. you know, with one day, a couple years later, start their own foundation and wow. wanted to be able to give money to people and organizations. And he came back to me. He lived in Nashville. He reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm coming to Atlanta. You know, do you want to meet up for lunch? We went to lunch and he said, I remember you always talking about like, this is something that you want to do. Are you doing it yet? Have you started a nonprofit? And I was like, no, I don't want to start a nonprofit. Like, I'm not doing it. Um, I'm doing I'm doing my own thing right now. But he eventually probed enough and then decided to let me know, listen, my family started a, a foundation. We want to, you know, find nonprofits to give money to. I've always been like kind of remembering how passionate you were about the things that you said that you wanted to do. If you start a nonprofit, we will give you basically your seed check. And that's wow. exactly what they did. Like went, filed paperwork, started a nonprofit, got everything, you know, in within probably like six weeks, which again was unheard of. Um, this was in September of 2017. 
in January of 2018, I had four girls in my hype program and those four girls learned how to code and those four girls went to Nicaragua and we did a coding camp overseas like a few months later in April 2018. And the money that he gave me allowed us to pay for all of that. And their stories is what has impacted more girls wanting to join the program because for these girls, they've never left the country either. And they didn't know what they wanted to do. Now, one of them, you know, just graduated from Georgia Tech, had got a full ride at Georgia Tech, just graduated in December. She's working, you know, for a tech company. And, you know, the girls, those four girls who went on our first trip, who learned how to code, you know, through us and who traveled with us and who were inspired by us, you know, keep me inspired. But again, it's the, the fate that I had, the fate that I had in the relationship that I have with God, I definitely believe is what allowed all those other pieces to come together. And it's nothing that I would have been able to do on my own. It's nothing that I would have been able to do without hope, without a vision and without a dream. You know, to Christina's point, I I think too, something, when you said the feeling, there's actually a, 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 like a, a image I have in my mind. I don't know if you guys remember, and I may be aging myself. When I was in elementary school, they used to give us like these green stickers. They were called Mr. Yuckmouth. And the goal was you're supposed to put it on anything that was hazardous so, you know, you wouldn't swallow chemicals. Hmm. But Mr. Yuckmouth was green and it was like a up, you know, his face was a frown. And so whenever you saw Mr. Yuckmouth, you weren't supposed to ingest something like that. And so the feeling that I felt at every time that I was supposed to leap or make a change is the Mr. Yuckmouth feeling. I felt hmm. green. I felt uncomfortable. Mm. I didn't feel peace. It was like mm. a, a turning of the stomach. And I mm. and every time that I've made that change, I'll say to my husband, I'm feeling green. And he starts scratching his head like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> we're not about to do this again, are we? And, and, but I, it's the Mr. It's the Mr. Green mouth. But I will also what I believe, too, because it makes you uncomfortable. I also believe that people are tied to your destiny. So if you're not delivering your destiny, there's somebody that's missing their exchange, you know. Mm. So it's 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 about an exchange, and I'm I'm a spiritual person, you know. In in corporate America, you you you, you know you can't necessarily say that. So I'm so glad that we're putting that forward, calling, you know, that having that. But I also believe that obedience is God's currency. So if I'm obedient, he he rewards my current he rewards my obedience by doing that. And so again, is that Mr. Yuckmouth, Mr. Green feeling that you feel? But you, until you do something, it stays with you. You know, it's no, there, there's no a milk of magnesia or Pepto Bismol that you can take. You just got to do it. <laughs> you got to do it. I love it. I love. I'm gonna start crying over here because I know that feeling myself. I, I mean, it's, it's gonna make it uncomfortable for you. So we only have a few extra minutes, uh, Trace. I actually want to kick back to you. Like, let's give some some for let's give some some words to to women that may be considering making that leap. Right. So. So imagine, you know, maybe you should take a, take a, a trip back in time for each of you, but but just imagine there are women working at a large company that uh, currently that are look that are thinking about resigning through this great resignation and making that leap. Like, and it may be exactly what you just said, Tracy and then Christina and Melissa. But what words would you would you give them? So there's two quotes that come to mind for me. The first one is by Oprah. She says, "If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never begin." So I always say that perfect conditions don't exist. You're not going to have everything. You're going to have all the resources, all that. You're not going to have it. So if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never begin. The second one is when a flower doesn't bloom, you fix the environment which it, which it grows, not the flower. When a flower doesn't bloom, fix the environment in which it grows, not the flower. And so I would say stop trying to fix 
everything else, it's you are the flower. Let it bloom. Mm, I love it. I love it, Christina. Um, I'll start off by saying that I I don't believe that everybody just needs to quit their job because they don't like where they are. So I just want to start off by saying <laughs> that first. Uh, I listen because because of the work that we do, I got to make sure I say that, especially for Black women in tech. In tech, I'm like, listen, I need you to keep your job because these girls need mentors, they need sponsors, they need people, they need managers to look up to when they get these jobs. Because I didn't have it, so you know, understand that there's a greater purpose for it. Might be a greater purpose for where you are. So that being said. Don't leave or if you feel like you're ready to leave, really understand your why. Really take some time to understand what is it about like where you are, your situation, what's going on that's making you decide that you want to resign and understand if if that's the, the necessary step that you need to take. And if it is, then do it. Right. So the same thing, Joey, you said do it. That's a, you know, a word that you had so many years ago, but do it afraid. Do it when you don't feel like doing it. Um, and then I would also say, like, I didn't have this and I didn't know about this before I decided to quit my job. But man, community is so important. Community is so important. Relationships are so important. Um, I wish that I did take the time to talk through some people, talk to some people before I quit. I know that there was a reason why I did. Um, I made a phone call to my sister crying, basically saying I'm gonna quit my job today. But I do think that if you're listening to this conversation and you're thinking about like being a part of the great resignation, reach out to Joey, reach out to other entrepreneurs, like build community and and try to figure out and, and understand if this is something that you should be doing. And then if so, then just do it and stay connected to that community as well. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, my one bit would be from my uh, executive coach. I started you know, trying to get ready for this transition. And um, I was writing down all of the degrees that I could get to prepare myself for, for this opportunity. And she essentially said, like, I'm not going to credential my way into confidence. I'm either going to believe and, and do this thing, but there's, I don't need another certificate. <laughs> there's, there's, that is not necessary. And so um, if you are feeling that anxiety about, you know, whether you're good enough, whether you can do it, therapy. Go go do that work um, because liking myself and being being sure of that um, has been incredible in terms of making me feel confident enough to sort of be on this journey. The other thing is I have a, um, a colleague who um, is a founder, very successful, and um, I was always pitching her big ideas. I'd have some dream and I'd stay up and I'd say, okay, can we go have lunch? And then I'd tell her this whole thing. And she'd challenge me um, and, and sort of say, well, what do you know about that space? What, what do you, what experience are you going to pull on and draw on to, to make sure that you can propel that way? And really what she was saying to me was the thing that's for me is already set in motion. There's, there's, I've already got the skills. I've already got the talents. And what it ended up being for me was I've been working behind the scenes in my husband's law firm. And now we are here, you know, doing this work together. And so, um, but I was rejecting that, right. That wasn't big enough. That wasn't like, you know, that wasn't my thing. And so, um, I think just, just doing some inventory emotionally for yourself, but then also of, of what your key competencies are with the things that you like, the things that you'd be surprised, um, could, could sort of, um, shed light on a path for you. Um, that might be unexpected. Nice. Nice. Um, same question. I would say, why not you? You know, why not you? Um, 
the journey to like basically figuring out, you know, what you want to do and actually being happy doing it, it's not necessarily like going to be like the easiest thing, but it's just like, if you don't do it, then it really won't be you at all. And it's like, you never know. Um, I think Tracy spoke about this, but you never know, like you doing something could be the reason why someone else does it. And then, you know, you're going to impact so many other people. So that's, Really simple. What I want to say: Why not you? So. Now, this this has been an amazing listen. I mean, I don't know everybody watching and listening out there. This is this is something where you where you where you rock, we're winding this back several times and listen to it all over just for the number of gems. So so kind of in closing, um, Trace, we'll start with you. How can people get in contact with you? So you can follow me on all socials at Smoot Avenue. Um, that's my fashion one or WV Black Excellence. Or, and I'm also part of the Dope um, Goody Nation community as well. Awesome. Christina? Uh, you can follow Hype at GetHype underscore Inc. Um, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can visit our website, www.gethype.org. Um, and if you want to reach out and shoot me an email, I can be reached at Christina with a K at um, GetHype.org. So Christina at GetHype.org. Awesome. Awesome. So if you are a recovering workaholic and you want some community, you can find me um, on Instagram at Handle by Cam. That is my blog. I talk, um, I post daily inspiration to snatch myself and occasionally uh, post some static things to um, inspire others. Um, and then if you want to get in touch with me about Fourth Party, LinkedIn is a great place to find me as well as at Melissa at fourthparty.app. That's all spelled out just like my title. Thank you. Awesome. Amma, what about you? You can find me on LinkedIn at Amma, so A-M-A, Cassie, K-E-S-S-I-E, um, and on Twitter, same thing. Cool, cool. Well, this has been an, an amazing episode. I, you know, I, I don't know if you saw, but I started to tear up a little bit. Uh, for those listening, yeah. I started to tear up. I, I caught myself. I, got, I, I caught myself. You know, I, I thought I was the only one, but I felt it. <laughs> Right there. I thought I started talking, talking about that calling and the in the and Mr. Yuck mouth and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah. yeah. That's oh, the yeah. hearts, Joey. The hearts on the shirt. That's what that was exactly, for. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this yeah. is awesome. Thanks for everyone who's been watching out there. See you, Marcellus, Kristen, uh, and a few others. And for those that will be listening on Spotify, Apple Music, so on and so forth. Um, it's been a truly pleasure. It's been a pleasure and a privilege uh sitting back and listening to these these awesome individuals tell their stories. Uh, be sure to follow Goody Nation at Goody Nation across all social media channels. You can find us online um, at GoodyNation.org. So until next episode, peace out, y'all. Stay magnetic and outwork yesterday. And remember, relationships matter. Peace. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.